Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Football Social Daily, your daily Premier League podcast. Hello, welcome to Football Social Daily, a daily Premier League podcast and the best way to keep up to date with the rapid fire Premier League right now. We're not going anywhere during the World Cup, by the way. Other pods may see Qatar as a chance to put their feet up, but not us. We'll keep you in the loop with everything going on under the desert sun with a big focus on England when it kicks off in 18 days time, I think it is. So make sure you've subscribed so you are ready for the World Cup. On the podcast today with me, hello, I'm Jim. I've got Niall and Marley. How are we doing, boys? Very well, thanks. 18 days. I think it's 18 days. You're feeling ready for the World Cup. Have you got your red and white face paints on order on Amazon and stuff? Um, no, no because in this, in this office. Qatar, <laughs> Qatar wear red and white as well, so um, we wouldn't want to be supporting them. I think the US wear red and white as well, and we're playing against the US in the group stages. Yeah, there's a lot of similar and colours going on. As Marley there? rightly says, being Newcastle and Portsmouth fans respectively, red and white are two colours <laughs> that are very rarely found in my household. So, yeah. no, I've not ordered any to answer your question. <laughs> well, Gareth Southgate will be announcing his England squad. I think it's a week on Thursday. Mm. He whittles down that 55-man squad to just 26, isn't it? Yeah, and I know we don't uh, usually plug stuff here on Football Social Daily, but have you been into Marks and Spencers lately? <laughs> because they've got a whole England for the have World they? Cup, all of the suits with England badges. It looks quite smart, but I don't know who would be buying it. No. Do you know what I mean? It's a little Unless bit you're actually well. a player. I went in last week randomly. I'm, I'm never in there. I was picking something up. I'd ordered something online. But um, I did see a, a jacket, like, and I, I walked past. It was like a little, um, like a Harrington jacket. And I was like, oh, that's quite nice, that. Yeah. And I looked inside it, like, I was looking for the price. And it had an England official thing. And I was like, oh. And then it went £79. And I was like, oh. So <laughs> if it didn't have that England badge, it'd probably be forty five fifty. Yeah, and I'd be like, oh, that's not too bad. I'm supposed to be the old one, and it's you two that's shopping in Marks and Spencers for clothes. What's <laughs> I, going on? I mate? just happened to be in there the other day and saw they had an England display. Because obviously Gareth Southgate's waistcoat was the big talking point of the last World Cup. I tell you it? what, I've there not seen no it. No way, I'm, I'm shopping there. So it's now cost of living crisis. Beginning of November, we're starting to see Christmas songs played in supermarkets. We're starting to see mince pies on shelves. Yep. There's a few creeping onto the radio. No one's launched, to my knowledge, a Christmas slash England range yet. So like some kind of hybrid of World Cup and Christmas merchandise. Well, like Surely there's Christmas an opportunity. Jumper or something yeah, like that. something along those lines. Well, Gareth maybe you're Southgate the guy, maybe you're the guy to out. do it, Jim. Maybe. It's a new business opportunity. An opportunity. Watch this space. New are, Football Social people, Daily merch coming. There are people who, who have asked for merch. On uh, on football social daily, wow. they have. Okay, here we uh, go. Angie, <laughs> talking about you. Angie, get onto it. Jim, there's an opportunity Jim, to be had. T-shirt with Jim's face on it that says "Pop will be gone by Christmas." <laughs> <laughs> It'll be burned around Anfield. <laughs> there is a World Cup treat on today's podcast, by the way. Comedians Joe Wilkinson and David Earl are going to be joining us later on in the show. You'll mm. obviously know them from their TV work shows, like Eight Out of Ten Cats in Joe's case and. Derek in Dave's case, but they are also the duo behind a fellow daily podcast called Chatterbix. 
And that podcast has resulted in them releasing their very own football anthem for the World Cup to rival three Lions. So we'll be talking to them later, asking why they're doing it and get a sneaky listen to that tune as well on today's podcast. There's also a load of Champions League action to discuss with City and Chelsea in action tonight. Spurs and Liverpool in action last night as well. They both tasted victory. And that's where we're going to start on today's podcast. Marseille 1, Spurs 2. Antonio Conte's negative football is justified because it's getting results. Discuss. <laughs> because they were horribly negative, particularly in the first half against Marseille. I've never seen a bus parked like it. It was Mourinho times 10. I guess so. I just think it's a tough place to go, isn't it? I mean, the old cliche, where's the cliche bell? You know, Marseille, even though they went into the game bottom of the group on six points or seven points, they still had a chance to finish the end of the night top of the group and mm. go through as group winners so at one point during the games last night in that group every single team was top right at yeah. some point in yeah that. it's the tightest champions league group i can remember uh in a long time mm. certainly this season it's by far and away the closest group in this year's competition so i don't know whether that was an element of nerves or whether it was part of a game plan obviously conte was banned from the touchline mm. he was sat up in the stands but I, I didn't think Spurs were devoid of chances. I think they did create chances. And I think when you've got the players that Tottenham have got, you are likely to create chances. Uh, it was, yeah, negative. I guess that that's what you get with Antonio Conte, though. I think that you just know that you're going to get an element of that, particularly when you're coming up against teams like Manchester City and Liverpool. In terms of the way they play, it's more expansive than what we've seen Conte play in the past. I think because when he was here with Chelsea and he won the title with Chelsea in 2017... You know, they were easily the best team in the league that season. Pep Guardiola had only just come in. Jurgen Klopp had only had a couple of years. So that was kind of the time that, that Chelsea kind of took over, really, and, mm. and performed. And I don't think we were seeing the best of Liverpool and the best of Man City. So I think now we've been indulged to two or three or more years of those two teams under Pep and Klopp. I think when you see a Conte team now, it almost looks mm. ex exceptionally more negative than probably it actually is. Because I thought they created a few chances last my night. My problem is with it. I think it's the Mourinho argument. They Spurs brought Mourinho in because he was a winner, in inverted commas. Didn't win anything, but he was a winner and you could put up with the negative football because of that. And that's the same argument with Conte. It's like the most important thing for Tottenham at the moment is they win a trophy of some kind. But they're not good enough playing the way Conte wants them to play defensively. They're not good enough at containment in order to win that trophy in the first place. Like, they set up uber defensively against Marseille last night as if they were Real Madrid, still ended up conceding the first goal and ended up chasing the game. And I don't think that's going to work against a better opposition because I think the better opposition are just going to undo them sooner and they're not going to leave the holes at the back. Because well, Marseille were ultimately undone because they were trying to get a winner last night. Yeah, in the bigger games as well, even Conte said this, hasn't he? In the bigger games in the mm. Premier League this season, Tottenham just struggled to compete. They didn't really compete against Manchester United. United were all over them in that game a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I think in the game against Arsenal in the North London derby, Arsenal were the better team, I think. So, yeah, I, th I think it's a, it's a point. I just I just wonder whether Tottenham fans care as long as you're winning. I mean, it's such a it modern football going fan week, thing. Doesn't it? It's a modern football fan thing to say, which is kind of, we want to win, but we want to win the Tottenham way or the West mm. Ham way. It's like... Winning is winning. It still says three points at the end. Mm. And yeah, it might be a tough watch and it might have taken them till the 94th minute or whatever to secure the victory last night. But when you win a match, that's all I care. When I watch my team, I mean, I can't speak for Marley or yourself or any other football fans, but when I go and watch Pompey, all I care about is winning the game. 
And yeah, maybe over a period of two or three seasons, if you're playing really tough to watch football and you're not getting the results or you are getting the results, but it's a grind and it's a bit of a slog to go and watch it. Then you think about maybe changing the style. Yeah. He's only been, he's not even, he's been there a year, not even that, has he? I'm difficult. I remember watching West Ham under the Allardyce tenure mm. and my mentality then, I mean, we weren't even winning. So it's like, I'd rather lose beautifully than win ugly in nah. terms of my football enjoyment. Just because we've got no chance of going anywhere near winning a title. It's a slightly different I'm, situation for Spurs. I'm a bit opposite to that because like in, in, I mean, I can only talk off the back of this season, but but when I go up to St. James's and like, for example, Nottingham Forest at the start of the season and Crystal Palace, been to both of those games. We beat Forest 2-0, but it was 60-65 minutes of like total dominance and it was total like just banging on the door and hoping it hoping it would get broken down eventually. Um, but the fear of conceding a cheap goal and then them shutting up shop even more mm. was really like, it made me anxious. I was like, please don't. We can't lose this after playing this well. Um, and eventually Fabian Scher smashes one in from 25, 30 yards and we win the game. Mm. So, was, so then like the relief of that goal going in was, was huge. And then the same thing happened against Palace, um, but we couldn't break it down. But the enjoyment of the performance was there. So when you're walking out the ground after a nil-nil, you're like, well, we absolutely killed them. We just couldn't get the goal. But then you, you think, like, if we'd have lost that game, I'd be absolutely fuming because it's almost like if you play bad and you're conceding shots on goal and stuff, it's like it's one of them where yeah. if you then get beat, you're like, well, you know, at least at least they were in the game and it was a 50-50 and it could have gone either way or we didn't deserve to win it. But when you when you're so dominant and you still lose it, that's a that's a real problem. We're not here to talk about Newcastle. <laughs> We're here to talk no, about that's just football. In I just say yeah. the game's about. I've said this before on the show. The game's about glory, and people will disagree with me about this. And football's more than that. Going to the game with your mates, with your family, it's a kind of a spiritual experience for a lot of people. You look forward to your Saturday three o'clock kickoffs, and you walk uh, down to the pub, and then you have your pie, and then you you know the kind of ritualistic, spiritualistic aspect of the game. But for me. When you talk about football and you're talking about it with fellow fans of other clubs, you talk about glory. You talk about, remember that time Ole Gunnar Solskjaer poked it into the top of the net to give United the treble. Remember mm. when West Ham won the FA Cup in 1975 and remember when, you know, well, exactly. Well, <laughs> well, I remember you saying, Jim, that one of your favourite memories watching West Ham was when Steven Gerrard yeah, losing the FA Cup final. I mean, but what an experience. You know, the game's about glory. You remember those glory moments more than anything. Look at the City fans with the Aguero thing. You know, if that mm. had been an Aguero goal to get them into the Champions League, we wouldn't be talking about it half as much. The game for Funny me you should is mention about glory. That because tomorrow that shirt goes up for auction. 20,000, isn't it, on market for? Not the yeah. market, on bid. That's quite, that's quite reasonable for a match-worn shirt, isn't it? That's, so, like, they, they that's just... got to go for about half a million. No they? way. No, no, no. Yeah. It's, too, it's, it's not old enough for that. It's the most iconic moment in Premier League history. That I should know, go for but, an absolute ton. But it's 20 only, grand's nothing. It's only 10 years old, the shirt, though, isn't it? So? Mm. Be right. Well, 20 grand's Never the mind. guide price, I think. Anyway, t- Tottenham. Anyway, we were yeah. talking about Tottenham, weren't we? <laughs> <laughs> Do you yeah. know what? One one interesting thing from the last night, uh, Mbemba, who scored the goal, um, has said this morning that Marseille did not know that a draw would be enough for the Europa League. So they conceded that crap goal at the end where they had they had 10 men in the... Spurs half and got broken away on um, and they didn't realise that if they'd have just settled for that draw they'd still be in the Europa League mm. but instead they threw everyone forward thinking we have to score we have to win and they got screwed Oh, so they finished <laughs> bottom of the group in finished the end. bottom of the group out of it 
and obviously now they've just got the league to focus on. I mean, we've spent a bit of time criticising Conte and his tactics. But mm. in fact, you look at Spurs in the first half and the second half. He was in the stands, as Nile said. He was sent off in the last game. And they came out fighting in the second half. There was a reaction. And that's got to be credit to the manager, hasn't he? Because he had a chance to get his team together. Oh, yeah. He screamed at them in the dressing room. He can't rant and rave on the touchline, <laughs> so he's done it in the privacy of the dressing room instead. So he yeah. has had an impact on that result. Yeah, 100%, because, you know, the... Um... There's no coincidence in the fact that they played pretty poorly in the first half and went behind. And then he gets 15 minutes with them and they come out and they play totally different. You know, mm. they, they play on the front foot. He got the equaliser pretty quickly. I think Kane had a, a goal disallowed after about three minutes of the second half. Uh, sorry, he went close with one. Uh, there was a cross from the right and uh, he nearly put it ahead of the goalkeeper. After three minutes of the second half, so it was it was straight away like they came out with as if they'd had a rocket up them, and of course it's Conte, so there are more rockets than a friggin' firework shop. So he's he's given a bit at half time, and and that's what that's what a, a good manager he is. But you know they, they did ride the look a little bit. It was very it was very Tottenham in the way they mm. they did it. You know, right lads, we need a draw. Oh, we're gonna go behind, make all our fans have a heart attack. And then uh, off we go, and we'll we'll eventually seal the uh, the win. But yeah, it was uh, it's just important to get through. I think you can look at it of of they were negative and this and that. But when you look at the the result of their season, they're through in the Champions League. They're third in the league. They haven't lost too many games, um, and they've missed a few of their best players. Son went off injured last night after half an hour, which didn't help. Um, Richarlison's out. Kulusevski's out. Now they've just got Kane. Um, and they're missing Romero at the back, and there's a few more dotted around the squad as well. So if you look at it like that, they're still getting the results done when they need to, mm. and that can only be a good thing for Spurs because in other seasons before this, they would have probably crumbled and been absolutely nothing at this time of the uh, season. Do you know what it is for me? It's the experience that they had. And when I mean experience, I don't mean the age of the players. I mean the players that have played in the Champions League. Perisic was really good last night, I thought, especially with his, his delivery. His block yeah. at the end was insane. And also, Ben Tanker has played in the Champions League. Mm-hmm. I think it was his 50th appearance in mm. the Champions League last night. Scored um, with his cheek, but it was a good <laughs> header anyway. Yeah. Um, Lloris was pretty good. Lloris, again. So you're talking about players here that have performed at that level in the past. With all due respect to Harry Kane, he's not played nearly enough Champions League games, really, for the mm. quality of player that he is. Eric Dyer the same. You look at a lot of the players like Basuma, who's never on, played yeah. in the Champions League prior to this season. So you look at some of the players that uh, Tottenham had on the field last night. They're the ones, I think, that made the difference for Tottenham last night, being able to manage the occasion on the big European stage. And I don't think it's a coincidence that those were the ones that, that stood up to the four um, and delivered for, for Spurs in the end. We'll move on to Liverpool in a second. Before we do, just a quick word on Aguero's shirt and the potential price it might reach. I've done a bit of research and Jeff Hurst's 1966 World Cup shirt went up for auction in 2016. So a few years back, it was valued between £300,000 and £500,000 but didn't sell because it didn't reach the reserve price. Mm. So 
Maybe a million's a little bit high for Aguero. So that was 50 years, 50 years well. on from the World Cup in 1966. And a, and a bit of iconic football history Absolutely, outside yeah. of the Premier League. And it went for, it didn't reach the guide price of... 300,000, well I guess 300,000 was I the estimate. So Maradona's shirt just went for, the Hand of God one, didn't it? For like 5 million or something. It? So it mental. People like, have too much money, I think that's what we can go. learn from that. Uh, let's move on to Liverpool versus Napoli. It was Liverpool 2, Napoli 0. A Liverpool friend of mine just before the game said it was all a bit meaningless, that there was nothing to play for before kickoff. I imagine, Marley, that he's probably changed his tune now. Now they've beaten Napoli 2-0 and ended Napoli's, I think it was a 21-game winning streak they were on. Yeah. Could that be the result that Liverpool now need? Because they've been uninspiring so far this season and it feels like they need a spark to get going. Could that be the spark? Yeah, well, I I don't necessarily agree with you, mate, who said it's it's pointless because if they'd have lost that, it would have been, oh, well, we're not even as good as Napoli and they haven't won a league title in how many years. I think he was preempting them losing. <laughs> He's yeah, kind yeah, of dismissing it as unimportant. I think he was, yeah. But, um, yeah, they, they got it done. I said on yesterday's podcast, they need, if they can win, it could be a, could be a spark. And Niall, Niall said that, like, how many more like false dawns do they need before it becomes a real mm. I was like at least one more because <laughs> you know you need you need something else it hasn't happened so far they beat City in the in the community shield they beat City in the league and then they lost you know the week after uh, to Nottingham Forest so it was not exactly amazing but I think with I mean I put on the, the Twitter last night that, that Liverpool are the first team um, to beat Man City to beat Newcastle and to beat uh, Napoli, who were three unbeaten teams. So the only team those those three teams have lost to in the whole year um, is uh, is Liverpool. So Napoli, Newcastle, Man United, and Man City. I think it is who have only lost mm. to. Is that right? Man United? No, forget Man United. Man United beat Liverpool. Yeah, sorry. But Man City lost to Liverpool. So didn't City, they? Newcastle, and Napoli were three. Mm. To, uh, the only teams that have beat them this season are Liverpool. So is that a case of Liverpool becoming a one-off game specialist? And like, that isn't a bad thing. That's not me saying... Especially oh, in the Champions League knockouts. Exactly. There's no there's no better thing to be in the Champions League than a one-off team. Like, you know, especially mm. you think about all the, you know, the European nights at Anfield and stuff over the years. The, let's say they're out of the league race. That's not, you know doable in, in my opinion they're, they're too far behind um, the consistency isn't quite there they're trying to change a little bit but, but for one night Liverpool are a bloody tough team to beat and when there's things behind them the crowd the the sense of occasion in the European knockouts they're going to be hard to beat and if they go and win the Champions League and have a finish sixth in the league for example if they win the Champions League it's still a good season isn't it you can't you can't go and say oh <laughs> yeah it's a very good season we're, oh, winning the Champions know, League yeah oh, the, yeah exactly yeah we've uh, we've got to lose time? well we'll lose lose this Klopp might go oh we won the Champions League everything's fine I don't think they will anyway no but they could they could Ibrahim Konate back last night Niall mm. they've been decimated by injuries that's one of the problems that Liverpool have had this season as critical as I am of Klopp they've had a few injuries to cope with what difference did it make him coming back in well he's got pace. When you've come off the back of an injury, there's a tendency to lose a bit of pace. And Canate's come off the back of an injury as well, but probably not as significant as the one that Virgil van Dijk had, I think. You know, there was that collision with Pickford, I think, two seasons ago now, or one and a half seasons ago, which put him out for a long time. 
you know, we've seen players come back from injuries of a similar ilk and just kind of lose that yard mm-hmm. of pace. Virgil van Dijk's positioning is obviously excellent, but he was pretty quick across the ground as well, which made him good in a foot race. That's something that Ferdinand was so good at as well for Manchester United back in the day was he had a little bit of pace, but also he's very good on the ball. I just think um, Canate offers that little bit of extra speed across the ground. And I think, you know, any player coming back from injury is welcome boost for Liverpool. So Liverpool finished second in Group A. Spare a thought for Rangers who finished bottom of Group A. They might as well have not turned up. Minus 20 goal difference, no Mm. points. Worst Champions League campaign for any team ever. And Alfredo Morelos missed an absolute sitter last night as well. Open goal, put it wide. So we're going to talk about the Champions League previews next because obviously we've now got Liverpool and Spurs through to the last 16. Chelsea and City already through to the last 16, but they've got their final Games Week games to contend with. We'll look at that next on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Football Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Welcome back to Football Social Daily. Looking ahead to tonight's Champions League games, we're going to be speaking to the Chatterbix boys. I'm sure they love being called that. Comedians Joe Wilkinson and David Earle and a bit about their World Cup song. But before we do that, we've got two slightly dead rubbers to contend with. Chelsea versus Dynamo Zagreb and Manchester City versus Sevilla. So Chelsea have already won Group E. Niall, Mm. how does Potter play this? Are we going to see a change team? Are we going to see some youngsters getting a go? Or is this another opportunity for Graham Potter to kind of assess his squad and try and find his best 11? Because although he's flying in the Champions League, league form for Chelsea has been a bit up and down. Up and down? I'm not sure I agree with that. Really? Well, he only lost his first game against Brighton. But they haven't... After nine attempts. I don't think they've been the dominant force you would have expected well, they've not been, Chelsea They've, they've not been dominant. I'd agree with that. They've not been dominant. But, and they lost I mean, 4-1 to Brighton. Yes. And that was their first defeat in the league under Potter. So, I mean, it's, they've not drawn seven games out of nine or whatever. You know, they've, they've mm. been in, the, in, in contention. Um, they were overwhelmed by Manchester United, I think, as well. Um, probably... We're lucky to get a 1-1 draw out of that game recently. And then a nil-nil with Brentford, you'd arguably yeah, expect but a bit more from that. I was speaking to someone who's a Chelsea fan recently and they say Brentford are one of those teams where it's a bit of a bogey team for Chelsea for whatever reason. Um, they never seem to do well against Brentford. I don't know whether that's because... How many times have they ever played Brentford? It can't be that many, can can't, it? Twice last season, once this season. Yeah. Surely that's it. Well, yeah, maybe in the cup or something over the years. Yeah. But um, that's what you were saying to me anyway. So I don't know what the results were between Chelsea and Brentford. I think, did they lose against Brentford at Brentford last season as well? I think they might Maybe, have done. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I think that's what he was getting at. But yeah, um, to lose to Brighton in the way that uh, Chelsea did is an indictment of the way football is just as a concept, you know. It was pretty much all set up for Graham Potter to return to his old mm-hmm. stomping ground, being greeted with a chorus of boos. The new manager for the other team hasn't won a game yet. The current manager that he's just left the old club that he's going back to has not lost the game yet. It was all teed up perfectly and Brighton came absolutely roaring out of the traps and f- and absolutely floored Chelsea, completely steamrolled them. And it worked well for them and Graham Potter just needs his side to respond because you can't be getting beaten in the way that they did get beat. And yes, I think it's a product of the... Um, context of that match Brighton against Chelsea with the Graham Potter thing hanging over it but I just think he has to 
he has to get his side back in a rhythm again. And so do you expect this to be a reaction? So it has to be. Strong. I just think it has to be. I know it's against Dinamo Zagreb and I'm not sure if Chelsea are already qualified to the next stage yep. of the Champions yep. League. So yeah. They've already won the group. They've already won the group. Mm-hmm. All right, okay. So maybe there is a chance for some for some rotation. But going into the last two weeks of the Premier League season before the World Cup break and with Manchester United having picked up form, so I think are above them in the table at the moment. Newcastle, I think, are above them in the table at the moment. I think Chelsea is sixth. Yep. They're outside of the top four. So... In terms of that defeat to Brighton and responding to that tonight, if they've already qualified to the knockout stages, winning isn't as important, but putting in a good performance Mm. is. And we saw that two weeks ago against Salzburg, where Chelsea just played some of the best football that I've seen under Potter so far. They played some really good football. Bamiyan could have had three or four goals had it not been for the Salzburg goalkeeper uh, having an absolute worldie. So they have to respond tonight. I think that they will. I think that changes is an interesting concept here because what does Graham Potter do? Does he kind of put the same side out there that faced Brighton as if to say, you need to put this straight, lads? Or does he give the guy, the guys that need a bit of game time um, a bit of game time? But that being said, there's only two Premier League matches to go until the World Cup break and then it's a month off. Yeah. So does he just basically put the same first team out there and go, right, you've got to perform and then you've got to perform again on... Saturday and then you've got to perform again next Saturday and then it's the World Cup so well, really there's only three games left the thing that Chelsea have that you can change a team and it's not like a lower or a smaller squad where to change the team you have to bring in youth players or fringe players with Chelsea you can field a completely different 11 of full internationals <laughs> pretty much they've still got that bloated squad yeah. I mean Zagreb is in a position where they can still qualify for the Europa Mali so they have something to play for in this game is that a danger for Chelsea that they go into this not really needing anything yet? Zagreb could do with a win because it gives them that Europa League qualification. Could we see a bit of an upset? Do you think? Um, I I think the gulf in the two um, the two teams in terms of talent is is a little bit too far to be honest. Um, I would maybe say if Chelsea are travelling to Croatia with a second choice team, then I'd maybe back Zagreb to to nick a point and and do what they need to do to get. Uh, to get well, the point would point wouldn't actually be enough, would it? Because Salzburg uh, needs need to lose to Milan um, to uh, to mm. couple with the Zagreb win. So I think Zagreb won't win at Stamford Bridge. They could maybe sneak one in Croatia, but not not for me. They've got two dangerous players, Orsic and uh, Petkovic, are the two sort of standout players. But for me, that's you're asking a lot to get through a Chelsea team, which will be changed, but will still be very very good. By the way. How good is the Europa League looking for the last 32, by yeah. the way? We've got Manchester United versus Real Sociedad on Thursday. United need to win, I think, by two clear goals is is the is the statistic that's being thrown out there. Uh, I'm not sure to top the group. how accurate that is. Yeah, because I don't know whether it is it done on away goals or what. I'm not sure if it's done on head-to-head or whatever. But United basically need to beat Real Sociedad to top the group because if they finish second, they'll go through in the Europa League into the last 32 pot which means all teams that have finished third in the Champions League group stages will drop down. Mm. At the moment, that's Ajax, guaranteed. Barcelona, guaranteed. Uh, Sporting, guaranteed. Salzburg, if they win tonight against AC Milan and Dinamo Zagreb don't win against Chelsea, AC Milan will then drop into the Europa League. Shakhtar Donetsk, uh, Sevilla or Borussia Dortmund could Mm. be in the last 32. And then... I feel slightly Juventus sorry for those teams that win into that going, oh, Europa League this year, it'll be rubbish, but at least we've got a chance of winning it. <laughs> Juventus or Maccabi Haifa. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're talking like really got Juventus, um, Atletico Madrid, 
Ajax, possibly AC Milan. I mean, there's so many ridiculously good teams and that's not including the teams that are already in the tournament like Arsenal, Manchester United, etc. So there are some really exciting matchups to be made in the Europa. So even though tonight all eyes will be on who goes through in the Champions League, I think there'll be a few wandering eyes towards who finishes third in these groups as well, Jim. Yeah, completely. The sponsors for the... uh... Europa League finals are going to be licking their lips with the prospect of some of those names being in the latter stages. Man City versus Seville is the other game that's happening tonight in the Champions League. Still no Erling Haaland for Manchester City and they have looked a little bit toothless without him, yet they still, as Manchester City do, they always manage to score, they always manage to win. Do you think it's going to be an issue that he's missing against Seville, Niall? Uh, no, I think they'll be all right. I mean, Sevilla are a good team in Europe. We know that statistics say that they are the record that they have, particularly in the Europa League, having won all the trophies they have done. Um, the I'm league not... form shocking. Uh, yeah, eighteenth. Yeah, they are. They're in the relegation zone, <laughs> relegation in La Liga, zone aren't they? Yeah. yeah, I'm not sure who's replaced Julen Lopetegui. They're on ten points in La Liga after twelve games, just the two victories. They're in the bottom three with Cadiz and Elche, and the teams around them. You're looking at the likes of. Almeria, Getafe, Espanyol, Calatavigo. So they're all teams that... Listen um, to that pronunciation. Uh, I know, I've been practising my <laughs> Spanish. Um, they're all teams that uh, uh, you'd expect Sevilla to be far clear of in the table. And yet there they are down at the, the bottom uh, of the league. They've only won one in their last five, two draws, two defeats in the other four games. So yeah, they're not in, pre- they're not in good form at all. But we often say, don't we, in Europe that... Maybe that gives teams a distraction, something different mm. to focus on away from the league. And they'll be pretty pleased that there's no Erling Haaland tonight. I don't think it'll make too much of a difference. City won the title last season playing a false nine without a central striker. I'm sure they'll be capable without Erling Haaland. I think have they won both. Of, oh, no, sorry. They they drew with Dortmund, didn't they? Yeah. 0-0. Zero, zero. And then I think that they... 1-1-0 one, one, at the weekend against... Yeah. I can't remember who it was against Leicester Kevin City one nil in the yeah, against Leicester in the early kickoff. So yeah, okay, they've not been as free flowing as you'd expect with Erling Haaland, but you do think they've got the quality they've against got the struggling to be a side to score. Mares, De Bruyne, mm. Phil Foden, they've mm. got plenty of goals coming from midfield. But I guess the question is, Marley, whether any of those players are going to play because it could be an opportunity tonight, and it's always nice to see this, particularly with City, considering the status of their academy and the amount of news we hear about these young superstars coming through yet we never see them actually pull on boots tonight we might see the likes of Rico Lewis and Cole Palmer get some game time yeah maybe um I from when we talk about this in in the past like oh could we see Man City's much famed academy and stuff usually Pep goes as strong as as strong as possible <laughs> and and just like crushes like like Ivan Drago in uh, Rocky just wants to crush the opposition but I think you'll probably get one or two coming in, um, maybe like Sergio Gomez at left back if he's if he's available if he's not suspended, um, and players like that sort of Ake and things like that. And you'll look at the team and go, Christ, that's still really strong. Mm. Um, Cole Palmer might start. I think he's he's class. He looks really really good, um, and could be another option for them out wide up front. I think he's played from the right a little bit in in previous games. Um, and you probably get like Alvarez starting up front and people realise that he's class as well and he might score a couple of goals against a, yeah. a severe team that have zero confidence. And, it's not and like City nothing. don't have a striker, is it? they still got Julian Alvarez, who's a yeah. decent player. <laughs> exactly, yeah. It's it's. Um, I think it'll be a, a fairly straightforward win for them. It'd be nice to see some more players coming through into the first team in terms of the Man City Academy. 
Because you look beyond mm. Phil well, Foden. Southampton keep pillaging them every year, well, 20 yeah, million that's each. True. Well, well, There's been a few players that have gone out on loan and like Liam Delap and... Um, well, they can't all play. Bellis. They can't all play. And no, Chelsea have done the some... same thing, haven't they, over the years? Yeah. And, and, you know, Man City's under-23s won the title last season in Premier League 2. Their under-18s won the title last season in the under-18 Premier League. So they've certainly got talent there. Mm. There's no doubt about it. But as we've seen with Phil Foden... You know, and the infamous Phil Foden agrees to sit on the bench for six years tweet. You know, it does take time under Pep Guardiola to integrate into the first team squad. Yeah, and we also know that's not the main intention of their academy, isn't necessarily. They don't envisage all the it's players. Profitable it's profitable assets. Without yeah, exactly. sounding brutal model. about it, it's profitable assets. And they've made 20 million out of Gavin Bazunu, who they sold to Southampton. They made 20 million out of uh, Romeo Lavia, who they sold to Southampton. Mm-hmm. There are a few other players that are out on loan getting some experience. He's, he's Liam Delap is one of them, for example. The little winger that went to Southampton as well. I forgot. I always forget his name. <laughs> but he went for like ten million, it's and he Diaz. looks not Diaz. No, the, he... well, even Brahim Diaz is a great example because mm-hmm. he went to Real Madrid for what is it, fifteen million or something, twenty yeah. million. So you know they they are making money, they're making profit. So when people say they signed Jack Grealish for a hundred million, they made. 40% of that back the next season by selling two 19-year-old unproven yeah. prospects to another Premier League team. It is an effective business model. I mean, it's a business model that needed an absolutely gigantic cash injection to get it up and running in the first place. Very true. <laughs> but it is an effective business model. In terms of the game tonight, I don't know what about this one. Sevilla aren't in the best of form, as you say. There's nothing riding on the game. It feels like it could be a bit of a damp squib. Uh, I'm not going to be watching it. I just, yeah, you want games with Jeopardy, but... Let's face it, we're at the end of a pretty intense Champions League group stage where mm. aside from one week off, there's been game weeks every midweek of the season since probably early September. We've had a game every midweek, so you get that, don't you? It's the yeah. end of the group stages. There's going to be some some burnouts. Samuel Idozi, that's what I was thinking there of. Go. There you go. Well, you can... Catch up tomorrow on the podcast. <laughs> now we've solved that game to yeah. you. Catch up all the action. We'll look back at both those fixtures and look forward to what is looking like an exciting finale to the Europa League. Less so the Europa League conference because West Ham have qualified to the next stages of that as well. Draw for the last 16 of the Champions League, by the way, takes place on Monday, midday, Central European time. Right, we're going to get our World Cup bop on next because we're going to be chatting to the Chatterbix podcast about their World Cup song. Football's Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Football's Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Welcome back. This is Football Social Daily and as promised, special guests on today's podcast, Joe Wilkinson, David Earl from the Chatterbix podcast. Morning, boys. How are you doing? Yeah, good. Over the moon. (laughs) (laughs) I love being known for the guys from Chatterbix. (laughs) Embarrassing name for a podcast. (laughs) Obviously, you're known for a bit more than that. But for those who aren't familiar with Chatterbix, the podcast that's kind of like builders are... (laughs) breakfast show podcast or a podcast breakfast show i'm not sure which way around that should be yeah tell us a little bit about what it is and why you did it yeah what do we do (laughs) (laughs) it's a really insightful question because we don't know why did we do it It was your idea you wanted to do one every day david and it's it's grating on us now isn't it yeah i wanted i wanted to do like a podcast diary i was into youtube vlogs and uh, i wanted to a podcast version of that uh, warts and all. 
it's just warts and warts, though, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a brilliant listen. And one of the things I like about it most of all is it sounds like two men who have really regretted their life choice to make a daily podcast on occasions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It makes it so different to kind of a radio breakfast show, which is very much the the kind of shiny, polished, happy, everything's wonderful side of it. Yeah, we'd love to do that, though. We that's try. The, but the annoying thing is, that's what we're trying to do. Yeah. As soon as we, as soon as we try and be professional, we just sort of hate ourselves. And yeah. yeah, David flags it up in quite a negative way when we start to be in any way. I don't know, get carried away or anything. Like you have to to create some sort of listenable product by sort of going, oh god, that was awful, <laughs> and then we put it out anyway. <laughs> right, so you've got the daily podcast on your hands already. You've obviously got all the TV stuff yeah. and whatnot too. So what made you want to take on the additional challenge slash job of releasing a World Cup song? I'm not going to say anything, David. Go on. Um, well, I got carried away. <laughs> I'd, 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 <laughs> I, I do Twitch occasionally, and I manage football teams and whatever. <laughs> but on Twitch, I write songs about players and... Uh, so I wrote a song about managing a team to the World Cup. And I thought, oh, we could rewrite the lyrics here and uh, we could do our... Because you get carried away when you're doing a podcast. You, you start going, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. People will really care. I should have said, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> that was my mistake. I should have said, no. So I sung, I wrote a song. I, I sung my bit and then I sent Joe over. He sung his bit, which, <laughs> oh, is, embar- which is embarrassing. And... Uh, <laughs> And now it's now it's gonna it's gonna be out there for the world to listen to. But since we've done it, suddenly heard that Tyson Fury's doing it. Have done one for Bedil and Skinner. <laughs> yeah, they're they're redoing their successful one, which is makes ours even more pointless. <laughs> but appreciate you having a song. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry about all of this. <laughs> so it is getting an official release. Uh, the first, yeah. I think it's out, isn't it? First of November. It's Absolutely. unleashed on the world. I think we need to hear a little clip. So this is the Chatterbox oh, Word God. World Fuck. Cup anthem. <laughs> Cup for the cupboard. This is a chance. Give it a crack. Give it your all. Who knows? You never know. Try till the end. Fight till you drop. Till the whistles telling England to stop We want that cup in the cover That is the Chadwick World Cup anthem, Cup for the Cupboard. David, I think you said it was inspired in part by The Cure. I'm not sure what yeah. Robert Smith would think about that. I think there's a little bit of House Martins-esque inspiration in there. House Martins? I can say. hear a little bit of House Martins. It's, it's kind of got that kind of upbeat chirpiness that the House Martins had. Yeah, thank you very much. Appreciate you come that. alive, David. You? Your shoulders have gone back. You're now listening. <laughs> I've never seen much. this David before. You brought something out of him. Can I do a pod with you guys? <laughs> I'll tell you what did surprise me a little bit about the tune is when i heard it i was surprised at how upbeat and hopeful it is because i thought it might end up being a little bit more pessimistic does that reflect your genuine feelings about england going into this world cup are you upbeat and hopeful about their prospects 
I am, yeah. yeah. They've, they've got a good side, haven't they? Why not? They've got a lovely manager. I really like Gareth. Yeah. Doesn't matter what he does. He's, he'll always be wonderful. Even if he cocks it up, I'll still love him. <laughs> no, I really like Gareth. I think, what do you think? Do you think we've got, we've got a chance, haven't we? Brazil are going to win, though, aren't they? I fancy oh. England to bomb. I don't think they'll do very well at all. Why? Got, I don't know. I think it's just that English pessimism within me. But yeah. I just don't fancy England. I don't know. It sounds so easy, doesn't it? Iran, Wales and America. But, I mean, oh, there's banana skins out. all over the all <laughs> over the place there, isn't there? It's the last game in the group, Wales. Yeah. Oh, that's you're right. We'll probably need a draw or something. And Wales were pummeled. Oh, the last no. time we played America, I've just got visions of Rob Green throwing the balloons. Oh, yeah. yeah. Do you know what? Let's not bring the song out. Yeah. I've got to be honest with you. I'll be honest with you. I can't get up for the Qatar one. <laughs> so that's why you wrote a song, yeah? <laughs> this is all dovetailing beautifully, David. There's something about it. It's not in the summer. I like that. Uh, I'm excited. Con- it's like a Christmas present. How do you feel? Are you excited about this World Cup? I will be excited, I think, once it comes around. Yeah. But I think there's yeah. there's too many shadows kind of overhanging it at the moment. And I can't quite come to terms with where it's being held and the conditions yeah. around things have been built and all that kind of stuff. But I mean, mm. yeah. once you get stuck into a song like Cup for the Covered, <laughs> it all changes, doesn't it? <laughs> do you think it's going to gain traction, Cup for the Covered, or do you think it's going to disappear? If you had to bet £100 on it disappearing for nothing <laughs> or really going well, where would you lay your actual money? So that, you know, give it some... <laughs> it depends which bookies. I think it depends which bookies I'm yeah. placing with. You're going to get really good odds for doing soddle. You get, you get, no, you get, you get really good, yeah, you get really terrible. 10 to 1 on it does soddle. <laughs> Basically, so you, you can win back 10, 110 yeah. pounds from your 100 pounds, or doing well, it's five to one. I can't even see how the song would gain traction. I don't even know how, how that works. <laughs> and that's coming from the writer and singer <laughs> of the song. I didn't write any of it. I'd like to point that out. I did not write any of it. What you have to bear yeah. in mind is that a couple of years ago, a song about a sausage roll was Christmas number one. So if that can was get it? to number one, then everyone's in with a chance. Oh, right. Hello. Was it crap? Was it any good? It wasn't to my taste. I mean, <laughs> no. So you're saying anything can do well. I think it's in with a chance. Okay. What, why would you bring that up right now? The fact that a rubbish song can do well. Just, <laughs> just, just uh, <laughs> uh, let's go back to my Cure and House Martins reference of, <laughs> from earlier. House Martins, yeah. Yeah. Interestingly, are they on World Cup songs? What did mm. you grow up with as the World Cup song that kind of accompanies your earlier memories. I think for a lot of people, it's Three Lions. For me, it was England. It New Order. Order. Yeah. Yeah. New Order. Or oh, the Barnsley rap. Yeah, yeah. Around the back. I think of Badil and Skinner, annoyingly, because I, I went to a few of the Euro games. Yeah, I'm probably more Badil and Skinner. So the ambition for this is to knock Badil and Skinner off their perch and become the go-to England song from here on out. Yeah. You want to meet the team, don't you, David? Off the I really want to meet the team. I really want to meet the team and uh, sort of become... Fr- you can't really become friends, but... <laughs> you can. That's how friendships start. I have a feeling I'd meet them and go, oh, you're really young. <laughs> don't do that to them as well. <laughs> Who'd be the England player that you'd most want to hang out with from the lot? Who do you think you'd get on with, be able to go and have a pint with? Oh, that's a super question. Well, Southgate, I know he's not a player, but obviously because of the age thing, I think we'd probably end up with him. 
we'd start with Grealish and then he'd get kind of surrounded by girls and stuff and we'd back away <laughs> and end up talking to Gareth, I reckon. And then Gareth, Gareth would yeah, go. Yeah, Gareth's on, man. But we'd end yeah. up with a kit guy, wouldn't we? Because Gareth would have to leave early. Because <laughs> yeah. Do you think it's weird <laughs> that no one calls him Gaz or anything like that? Everyone calls him Gareth or no one calls him Gary or Gaz yeah, or anything. That's Didn't true. just call him Gareth. I just presumed he'd have the nickname or something. <laughs> Never thought of that. <laughs> Gaz. Yeah. Gareth. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's too long to say every time. Gareth. I, I can't get my head around he went to school in Crawley. Did he? <laughs> yeah. I thought he was Norton. No, no, no. He went to school in Crawley. <laughs> Believe it or not, he went to school in a place in Crawley called Southgate. Really? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's not true. <laughs> he did. He did. Honestly, yeah. if that kind of stuff doesn't give us heat, I don't know what to do. <laughs> wow. These sort of yeah. nuggets. Joe, David, thank you very much for chatting to us. Good luck, genuinely, with the World Cup song. I hope it does really well. And Thanks I'm going to struggle now to imagine the world or England getting behind a manager called Gary Southgate. <laughs> 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 can't see yeah. yeah. But um, cheers for your time. Really appreciate it. And lovely to chat. Thanks for having Thank us. you very much. Cheers. Cheers. Bye. That is it for today's Football Social Daily. Thank you very much for listening. Make sure you click subscribe so you never miss an episode. And we will be here right the way through the World Cup, no doubt humming the Chatterbix World Cup Cup anthem. Cup for the cupboard. (laughs) There we go. (laughs) Proper earworm. Uh, Yeah, so we'll be humming that and we'll be back for the World Cup right the way through, keeping you up to date on every bit of big news and also keeping a keen eye on England. So click subscribe or follow if you've not done so already. And we'll see you next time. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode.